Today I was lucky enough to talk to a lady called Karen. And Karen is a doctor in psychology and a Reiki practitioner. And this was great for me because it's something that I'm very interested in, both subjects. And it was fantastic to hear how she pulled the two together and how she practices Reiki now more than psychology. And more than that, just what it offers to people, to her clients, and actually some really useful advice that could help you. I hope you enjoy. Good afternoon, and finally, welcome to the David Watson podcast. Thank you very much. I'm very, very happy to be here, and hopefully we'll, um, we'll yeah. be able to stay connected this time. For reference for everybody, we were about three minutes into the podcast, and there was an accidental power shortage where somebody unplugged the internet at my end, and so we're now starting again after panic of trying to fix it and wondering what the problem was. So it should be good, though, because as I was, was in the middle of saying, the, the Reiki side of life is um, something I'm actually very, very interested in. Um, and I do actually have somebody that I, I see quite frequently for Reiki, or okay. was seeing quite frequently. Um, and I found it very interesting when um, I was looking at your website and seeing that you were you are a doctor of uh, clinical psychology. Is that correct? Yep, yeah, that's right. And you've switched or moved into Reiki. And so I was really fascinated, not just on the subject, but like how somebody went from a clinical position into something that's actually often held with scepticism? Mm -hmm. Well, um, I was actually doing, um, so the, the, the journey to becoming a clinical psychologist is actually quite a long one. You do a, a, an undergraduate degree, then you have to work for a few years to get some experience, and then you do a three-year doctorate. Um, and during that time, you're, you're, you actually start seeing patients, clients in the NHS. So you're kind of working alongside quite a high level of study. So as you can imagine, it's quite um, it's quite an intense, you, you know, hectic training to do. You're juggling a lot of balls with the academic work and the clinical work. And it just coincidentally, um, a few friends of mine had started getting interested in Reiki. And one of them, well, there was a, a bit of time where they were basically looking for people to practice on. So, you know, being a good friend, I Absolutely. volunteered you know as you do um and um and really enjoyed it and then they get to got to the point where they weren't quite so interested anymore in doing lots of free sessions with their friends um and one of them did the training to become a teacher so by that time i knew enough about it to know that you can learn it to do on yourself um so i kind of thought well it that would be a really useful thing to be able to do my you know my life is quite busy and and you know there's a lot of demands so I, I began learning it for myself um, and, you know, no intention at that point of, of using it in any way professionally. And in fact, the vast majority of my Reiki students now, you know, very much come to it from that place. They're just looking for something to look after themselves better. And um, so uh, so I, I sort of did the first level and then um my friend was running another class to do the second level and I got more interested in it by then so I thought well you know I'll, I'll do that and actually at the second level that's the level at which you can start thinking about using it professionally but I still wasn't at that point um, and then I was sort of coming to the end of my my doctorate and I, I was increasingly um, beginning to feel that 
I was le- I'd been started learning all this other stuff, and I was also fortunate to get involved with a, an, another group of people who were, and one particular person, um, James Honey, who was um, doing sort of teaching some other healing methods as well. Um, and then I started to feel like I'm sitting, seeing my clients, and there's all this other stuff I'm learning that I can't use with them. So. And that was a bit of a, with after all the blood, sweat and tears of, of getting to the point of getting this qualification, yeah. I was then beginning to think, I don't know if I want to really, you know, do this quite in this way anymore. And, um, you know, I mean, I'm the NHS is an amazing thing. We're very lucky to have it, but it, it does certain things well and other things not so well. And obviously its resources are limited. So, um, you know, they they wanted me to do very specific things in the NHS, which is enough um but it was i then decided um as i finished my my clinical training that i would i got a part-time job in the nhs and set up my private practice then so that was 15 years ago this year and um so because i really wanted to be able to use the full range of of my skills um, with my clients um and then i i did continue working in the nhs for a couple of years and then eventually just moved over completely to private practice so that was how it sort of came about but as i say i never had i'd never intended to sort of um i wasn't somebody who would say from a really young age i believe i had a a special gift in reiki particularly you know anyone can learn it so yeah i mean not necessarily everyone's going to become a practitioner but anyone can learn the basics to use on themselves and their friends and family so How would you actually describe Reiki then? So I would put, and I, I am somewhat unusual in this, um, Reiki has become over the years quite mixed up with um, spirituality and spiritual practice. Yes. Um, I would actually put Reiki more in the camp of what I would call energy medicine. So really in kind of moving more towards physics. So I would describe Reiki energy as um, something which just exists on our planet. So in that way, we can think of it as more akin to like oxygen or water or, you know, gravity. It's just something which exists on our planet and happens to be useful to human beings. So um, by the when we learn it, what we do is we learn to be able to take this energy that exists in the world around us and use it. So again, you could think of it in the way that if, if it was raining outside and we went outside and stood with our mouth open pointing up to the sky we we would get a little bit of water into our bodies but that wouldn't be enough to keep us adequately yeah. hydrated so we still need to actually drink water and reiki i would see is similar to that it like it exists in the world around us but we need to actually directly receive it either from our own hands or somebody else's in order to get the benefits from it um so in that sense, I don't see it really as a spiritual practice. Um, I mean, I, I think it, it's often something which people who are seekers of that kind of way of life or, or knowledge, what have you, um, end up finding and stumbling across. And it's definitely, if you are on some kind of spiritual journey, Reiki is a fantastic support to that. Um, but actually one of the strengths, I think, of moving it away from like separating it out from the spiritual practice is it makes it really accessible to anybody. So whatever your um, particular beliefs, faith, religion or none are, um, Reiki is something which can be, you know, is useful to human beings, if you like. Um, but uh, as I say, I am 
somewhat unusual in that in that respect um not not seeing it as a spiritual practice as such no i, I agree because so one of my issues with all these things is that so i used to teach meditations i used to record guided meditations for right. people i've written a book on reincarnation okay but i see everything to me life can be very black and white also and the minute i hear that your indigo rainbow born under the third sun I'm like, you've lost me now. You do not mean that I'm just not going to have a conversation with you. It doesn't have to be like that. Mm -hmm. It can just be. I remember once somebody describing science and maths as the, the way of understanding God. And for me, that was the bigger picture of we have all of these skills and there's things that are unexplained. We don't have to make them some form of voodoo magic. And I'm not saying that voodoo magic doesn't exist or anything like that. But what I'm saying is if you believe this thing exists, then there's probably a mathematical equation or a physics science behind it, one that we just haven't discovered at this stage of our evolution. You know, yeah. <clears throat> the same as, you know, if you just look at humanity and how it evolved and animals and how they've evolved and some with different hearing, some with better sight, some, you know, <clears throat> we no longer live in that environment and haven't done for a, about 10,000 years. Mm -hmm. So we've no idea what we've lost. What we once might have just was an everyday habit that you carried out completely. You know, you know, there has to be, you know, the, the medicine, the science agrees that if you're feeling depressed, going for a walk in the woods, going for a walk in the countryside, going with nature will make you feel better. They don't know why. They hypothesize, but they don't know why. But the facts are, it does. So I'm kind of, I sit on your doorstep, as in mm -hmm. that there is possibly a science behind this that we haven't learned yet. Mm -hmm. And I don't actually need to know what that is. I just yeah. know that it didn't come from the indigo rainbow born under the sign of Libra. <laughs> yeah, I think I think some of the problem has been that in, in a way, something like Reiki is actually quite straightforward and simple. And I think there's an element of over the years, people have almost feel, felt like they had to add something to it or make yeah. it more than it was. So I've got to embellish it and give you this. I mean, I, I teach meditation as well, but my meditation similarly is quite down to earth. Or what I would think of as quite down to earth, <coughs> practical meditation in a way. Um, you know, we can do all of these things in a, depending on our own particular interests, our own personality, we can do, you know, we can approach things in a different way. Um, but one of the things that I've probably because of my background have ended up um, sort of going in the direction of, I guess, uh, and I'm, I think by nature, I'm quite a practical person, um, is trying to make these things, you know, more accessible to people. Because I think there are many people like yourself where when you start, if you start talking in that kind of way, yeah. people just switch off and kind of go, actually, that's just you're going too far there. But if instead you're saying, actually, you, you know, have you ever had an experience of, um, you, you know, somebody standing too close to you in a supermarket? Yes. And you feel like that, that kind of you're just there's something that feels uncomfortable about that sometimes. And, you know, to me, that would be a way that people <coughs> experience the fact that they have an aura. Now, we could also call an aura a bioelectromagnetic field that yep. surrounds us which the scientists are you know starting to look at and they say that there is some kind of force or energy field around every living thing yeah. now i think that's one of the things that one of the ways that reiki helps us you know our environment 
has an effect on us. So just like when it's raining, I mean, we can put a raincoat on or take an umbrella, but we're, we're still going to get wet. We can't get away from the fact that we live in a world that has things in it that have an impact on us. And I think there are, energetically, there are things in our environment which have an impact on us. And Reiki is one of the things that can really help us cope with that. Um, yeah, no, I agree. Because, I mean, just everything that ultraviolet light from the sun can burn you. We can't yeah. see it, it can burn you. We know, we do know, like you say, that um, bioenergetically, we all have a frequency. We vibrate on a certain level. Scientists have picked up this electromagnetic signal. They can even measure it in different people. They've measured it. Um, I mean, people like Dr. Joe Dispenser and stuff um, have measured it in terms of size and length. And we know that it can, the frequency itself can change with our emotions and how happy we're feeling or how sad we're feeling. And it would make it makes sense biomechanically that if everything on the planet has a vibration, then there must be an optimum frequency at which you vibrate. Mm -hmm. And if you're above that, that could probably be harmful. If you're below that, it could probably be harmful. You know. So yeah, I, I'm I'm complete. And I just want to clarify for anybody that I might have offended, is I'm not suggesting that people who have these strange names are not effective and not passionate and don't believe. And from an artistic point of view, I completely get it. But some of you are a little bit crazy and you need to rein that in because it puts off the good work of other people. You know, there's room for everybody. You know. Yeah. And I think, you know, as a, as a practitioner, as a therapist, I mean, I get a lot of clients who come to me because they've looked at my, my background because that's what they're looking for. And they're, you know, and in a way, I suppose I feel like I fill a bit of a gap between, um, I mean, particularly people um you know because i also do some some of the sort of psychological therapy counseling yeah. stuff and i but i mostly combine it with um the energy work um so i think i fill a gap for people who wouldn't ever go and see that practitioner who was a bit more kind of out there for one yeah. better word um and you know and i'm not saying that necessarily makes me a better healer but it will make me better suited as a person to some people than others and yeah. that, you know broadens the range of um what we can offer people to help them because some people will, will prefer an environment a clinical environment that they're used to that is much more reflective of a an office where you'd see a psychologist or a psychotherapist or the gp or a counselor <clears throat> but it's like but we also do it. We do it from this point of view, this perspective. You know, I, I have a friend Debbie who um, who who is a witch, but if you, who sort of says like, I'm a witch and stuff like that. But if you talk to her about it from a different, she'll like no, no, no. I'm on about the traditional, the spells, the, the the crystals, the being in nature, the prayer, the meditation. You know, reflective of something from many many centuries ago that was just handed down through her families. But if you start talking to her about the weird stuff and all of that she's like no 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 i'm not that person not in any way shape or form you know yeah. and and it's again it, there, there's this um yeah it, it, it's how we communicate it to people so we can help people more you know? and interestingly it's debbie that also does the reiki right you know yeah I, I think it's interesting this idea of like what we can see and and, and understand i mean most people don't really have a clue how their television works <laughs> no, no, yeah. they, you know we know if i plug that socket in there that has a wire that leads to the television hopefully i press this button and it works but 
I mean, I couldn't give you a detailed explanation of how that actually works. But we couldn't we... figure out how to start a Zoom meeting. And that yeah. was only half an hour ago. Yeah. And then my oh, brother and pulled a plug and it stopped and we thought it was us again. It's like, no. Yeah. yeah. I mean, how, how are we sitting here talking in real time? Yeah. I mean, it, but we, okay, the difference with those things is that there are people in the world who could explain exactly how it works. Yes. So, but when televisions were first invented they probably seemed like voodoo and yeah. you know black magic and you know that kind of stuff so i think it's you know there are many things that we're used to just accepting we just accept our experience of it uh, you know i'm just you know because most of us um i mean there are people alive who can't remember televisions yeah you know, can remember a time when there wasn't there weren't televisions certainly not in every household um you know, I remember black and white televisions, but I don't remember not having a television. So, to me, it's no, that's yeah, I'm saying I don't remember that. not having a television, but I definitely remember black and white. Yeah, but it's like we, so we just we grow up with that. That's yeah. just something we trust happens, um, and I think we we probably do trust our kind of felt experience more than we realise sometimes. You know, I mean, what makes us suddenly go? oh, I fancy a particular type of food today. Now, sometimes that might be a, a need of our body, if you like, like our body needs a bit of extra protein or something. But sometimes it's just that that's what I fancy, that's what I feel yeah. like. And again, those sorts of feelings, we don't, we generally don't have much trouble kind of um, trusting those and just going with it. We don't really question it. Um, but some other experiences we have, because they're perhaps just a bit, more you know a bit less familiar to us we were a bit like oh should i is it okay to to trust that is that you know um i mean i end up again because of the nature of the work i do i end up seeing quite a lot of people who have tried many other things <laughs> and they they sometimes come very skeptical or sometimes they come because they're desperate and a friend or their partner or someone said you should go and see this person and they're really not, they don't really believe it's going to work or anything's going to happen. Um, I mean, the, the best is I had a, a gentleman come to see me once who um, belonged to a business networking group I was involved with. And I said to people, look, come along for a free session, then you'll see what I do. And so I think he'd just done it on that basis. And it, I almost felt a bit like he was kind of humoring me because he liked <laughs> me, you know, he thought I was a nice enough person and, you know, didn't seem too mad. And, um, so he came along and at the, at, he, he actually phoned me up the next day and he said, when I walked out of your room yesterday, I left kind of feeling a bit, well, that was all very well, you know, getting to lay down on the couch for 45 minutes or whatever it was, but I didn't really feel like anything much had happened. But he said, I have to tell you, I've just had the absolute best night's sleep I've had in Crazy. years and years. And he, he was a man, I think he was probably either late 50s or early 60s then and he had I didn't even know this but he'd been having sleeping problems for a long time but he just sort of got used to it so he almost didn't even see it as a problem as such that was just the kind of sleeper he was as he saw it and he was just like I can't I can't believe how well I like I probably was a child the last time I slept yeah. that way and um so you don't, it, you know, and again, I think that's part of why I'm really passionate about promoting the idea that it's not the same as spirituality, because you don't have to believe it. You don't have to 
believe in me as a leader or a guru or something and you don't have to it's not like having a faith that no. at some point you just have to say okay this is what i choose to believe in about the world it's it's about something that you can directly experience and of course what that experience is will be different for everybody but it's still something you, you know and you don't even have to be that open to it i mean you have to be open enough to walk through the door yeah but you don't have to be it's you know you can i mean but it's not really any different to we we collect a prescription from our doctor and we just have to try it and trust that the doctor thinks it's going to be helpful and, and trust that the factory have actually put in the ingredients they've said they're yeah. going to do do you find that yeah. um yeah. <laughs> when none of us have ever been to a pharmaceutical factory and seen how they make them we just like oh, it must be must be legit they said it is it says so on the packaging it's got a pill but... yeah 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 <laughs> and it says don't take too many in a day oh definitely legit um, do you yeah, find yeah. that some people that there's a category of people that they they literally come as a last resort and then become your most passionate clients? Yeah, yeah. I've had a lot of um, a lot of people who, um, I mean, particularly again, probably partly because of my background, but um, a lot of people who um, have had quite significant depression. Yeah. Uh, some even suicidal um certainly at times um people just riddled with anxiety people who um you know have experienced a lot of grief or trauma and have just come to a place in their life where they don't believe anything is ever going to make much difference and they're just existing um and their level of um distress that they deal with on a often daily basis is just what they have to live with um, and if you, you know, if you get somebody like that and you're able to help them, they, um, you know, and often what happens is when they first start to feel a bit better, they'll, they almost don't trust it. They're afraid to trust it. Like, am I really feeling better? Can I really feel better? Am I allowed to feel better? Yeah. Yes. That too. Um, you know, is it all just going to fall apart in two weeks and then I'll feel even worse because I had this brief window of hope. Like there are people who are afraid to hope. Yeah. Um, and I think when, if you are able to help somebody who's got to that kind of place in their life, then they are, they are often the ones that will tell everybody they know, um, you know, you should do this, you should do this, you know, um, Karen's my guru yeah. now and Karen yeah. said, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, and they're often the people who start as clients and then maybe come to some Reiki classes, learn Reiki for themselves um you know and will will then be really great advocates for and, and so much of it is about um just finding different ways to look after yourself really yeah and sometimes we need to go and see somebody else for that and you know most of us don't think i mean personally i'm i know almost nothing about mechanics so if my car breaks down i'm not going to beat myself up and go oh my god i'm a terrible person because I need to call the AA out or I need yeah. to, you know, take my car to the garage. I just do that because that's the person who's studied that and is, you know, that's what they do. They're the expert in that. But with our more inner selves, if you like, our emotional well-being, our mental well-being, we, we so often feel like we've got to just struggle. We shouldn't need some help. Um, but but there's, there's the part of it which is then getting some help from somebody else. But also the part 
where um and, and this is something which i also spend quite a lot of time doing with people um what are the things we can put in place that will help people to take better care of themselves um and sometimes that's a practical thing you know learning reiki is quite a practical thing you can put your hand on your own body and and give yourself reiki regularly and to be completely frank with you i think you will probably get more benefit from learning reiki and being able to do it on yourself very frequently little and often than you would from probably even once a week because it's again it's not unlike hydrating yourself yeah you know you can't drink three liters of water and then forget about drinking water for the rest of the week you know we we That's stay hydrated better if we if we drink you know little and often through the day each day um and i think reiki is something which works really well like that um as something which you know you can learn um you know to do on yourself yeah because in interestingly um i remember talking to my friend debbie and i were talking about this um and we were saying that especially during the uh, earlier in the year when i was uh, receiving sort of like weekly treatments of her that there was a point where to sort of the i think the analogy we use it was a bit like a mobile phone is you're trying to run all these apps but if there's n if there's no, no no power in the battery it's flat and you can keep topping up and topping up but eventually you have to be fully charged for everything to work efficiently for more than a week and it was kind of getting to that point where i'd, I'd had enough sessions done enough meditation taken self-care of myself with exercise that i kind of got back to a point um of yeah i'm kind of feeling on top of things again now yeah. but it but it, you can deplete yourself so much that it's like no no it, it you know it takes time it's, it's like learning a language it's like playing an instrument it's like exercising it takes time for things to build back up if you've allowed the the just whatever it is to drain out of you completely and be completely used anything you bring back into yourself needs time to heal time to replenish and time to build up reserves you know it's, it's like you say you know you don't just drink three waters of three liters of water one day and hope it's going to last for the week yeah yeah i think it's it's often like through as we go through life we we have different experiences and some of those are very trivial just slightly annoying experiences and some are obviously you know right, right up to the really big painful traumatic difficult experiences and it's like each time we have one of those experiences we we, it's like we're carrying these bags around with us something else gets put in the bag something else gets put in the bag and I mean we all know what it's like having to walk uh, say uphill carrying a load of bags is much harder than if you just walk uphill without any bags so the more we're carrying with us the more um, you know hard work everything begins to become and that's where you know I mean I will often see people at the point where they go I'm just I can't cope with the tiniest thing and it's you know my life right now that you know their life in that moment might not even be that difficult but because they've got so much they're still carrying with them from the past you know one tiny things ha thing happens and you're in pieces because you've just got your you're kind of up to here um, and I and I often think of it as a bit like a bank account like if your bank account has been overdrawn for a long time and you start putting money in it if you're still paying bank charges you're just for a while it feels like you're just putting money into a black hole yeah and then gradually if you keep putting enough in you'll get up to zero and then <laughs> and have nothing yeah 
and then you can start to build and if you're lucky you <coughs> might even have an account that has a bit of interest on it yeah so you can build at a fast slightly faster rate than you're actually putting it in but unless you get to that point where you you know you get to zero you can't really start building but it can take time and when you're still in an overdraft if you like it can be quite stop and start for a while as you you know you feel a little bit better but you deplete quickly again and then exactly as you describe you get to a point where it's sort of like it reaches some kind of critical mass and then um and then you start to feel okay i can i'm i'm feeling a bit more in control of this i can yeah yeah because you get you kind of go from a point where you're just trying to survive yeah. and you're wondering how do i survive to the end of the day and when I fall asleep and I wake up, how, how am I going to survive today? And it's kind of getting yourself past that point where you are, oh, I'm, I'm surviving. And you're, you're like, oh, no, I'm, I'm surviving. And then you kind of, from I'm surviving, you get to a point of, I know how to take care of myself. I'm going to be okay. Everything's going to be all right. And it's, it's how you transition through those stages. Because like you said... It doesn't take much. I mean, the cliche, the straw that broke the camel's back is, is powerful for a reason because mm -hmm. it literally wasn't one, but that was the one that broke it. Yeah. You know? But the reference is the fact it had so much to carry. It just couldn't take any more. Yeah. And, and that's kind of, as, I mean, especially now with this crazy 2020, which, you know, is a roller coaster ride that nobody signed up for. <laughs> you know? And nobody's really enjoying from what I can gather. Um, is I think it, it's it's become, in terms of emotional space and headspace and all of those things that, you know, if I'd have said if if we'd have done a podcast at the beginning of this year and I'd have said oh this is going to happen, you'd have just cut the mic and said yeah 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 well, yeah, well done David thanks for your time and something's just come up, <laughs> and yet here we are laughing about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's been uh, it's definitely. Uh, been a crazy time I think for everybody I mean at the beginning of the lockdown I noticed that um because I ended up moving some of my work online as many people have I mean I can't do uh, really the energy work to speak of online but um I you know do um do quite a lot of the more sort of counseling side of things but from my perspective as a as an energy healer yeah um which I think makes it still a slightly different experience for people than perhaps your more traditional counselling. Um, but I, I think I noticed that like wherever your baseline of anxiety levels were, so even if you're somebody who generally doesn't really struggle with anxiety, it was like it was ramped up. Yeah. So everybody was ramped up above their, their usual kind of level. Um, and I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to this year who have said something along the lines of, well, I know I haven't got it as bad as lots of people. Mm. So, you know, people who haven't lost their jobs, haven't, you know, have been able to perhaps enjoy some of that sense of, you know, particularly over the summer, getting out, having a bit more time in the nice weather and, you know, the world's a bit quieter and nature's a bit louder and that's really nice. And, you know, people have still struggled because I think we've all felt really out of control. As you say, it's a roller coaster no one signed up for. This was not, um, you know, and all of us have been affected, every single one of us. I haven't talked to a single person who hasn't had at least a few days where they've felt pretty, you know, overwhelmed, flat, anxious, whatever, you know, whatever it might be. Um, 
and I think we've all just felt really it's almost like a double whammy because we felt really out of control because there's all this stuff happening and I think a lot of people's anger at the government like just tell us when we will be able yeah. to yeah know, and they can't because you know whatever no. you think of our government like any government is you know they can't uh, yeah and, I mean uh, I've said that to lots of people regardless of which, which government you think would do a better job the sage science advisors that were already in post were already in position who have always been employed since we've had a science department and a health department would be the ones advising whichever government was in power so that government would be expected to listen to those science advice even if i think they're wrong they would still be listening to them so yeah. it, it, it's it's not a it's not a party uh, problem it the, the yeah. problem is we're arguing everything in hindsight and yeah and it's it's unknown isn't it it's we're it in is. uncharted territory and i i mean i i have this view that i think all human beings are control freaks yes so a lot of people go oh i'm being a control freak like they're they're unusual in that but i think we just express it in different ways so if you take a kind of somebody who um you know our more traditional idea of a stereotype of a control freak someone who likes to organize everything and be really bossy and have everything you know mapped out yeah like they have their podcast ready their zoom meetings ready seem professional <laughs> and organized just to what flip it when their brother pulls out the plug that yeah, that exactly. sort of guy yeah that kind of thing i think i and might then, know who you're on about <laughs> and then you get people almost like the other end of the spectrum who seem to just drift through life don't take responsibility for anything are always late like never plan anything to me that's just the the other side of the same coin that yeah like, they're still controlling that, their situation a different way of, of expressing it so all of us feel you know it's very human for us to seek ways to feel more in control of our environment and what's happened this year is there's been all this stuff happened that uh, makes us feel out of control and all the things that we normally do, or most of the things that we normally do to help us feel more in control, we haven't been able to do. Yeah. So where, you know, we might, some people like to go shopping, some people like to go to the pub, some people like to go to the gym, you, you know, some people through their work, like mo for most people, a significant chunk of their life has been affected or changed or limited or completely gone or restricted or whatever. So it's like when we're feeling most out of control, our ways to feel more in control have also been taken away. So if you think about it like that, no wonder everybody's been struggling. But when you look at it like that, we're all doing a remarkable job of holding it together. Yeah, absolutely. You know, because every, every, every defense mechanism we know, we are designed as, as humans to want to be in control of situations because that's how we, we know we'll survive. It's how we know we'll get up tomorrow. It's how we know we're not going to die. It's, mm -hmm. Because when we lose control, what we're actually tapping into is that fear that I'm going to die. I can't take care of myself. I won't survive. And that just and that genuinely escalates into dangerous levels for some people. And we have the perfect storm for it right now. And although we're all experiencing it, and it is it's really, really tough for a lot of people, I think as a country, and actually globally, I think people are doing incredibly well. And yeah. we're underestimating how well we're coping with things. You know, it's my own therapist, Caroline, actually described it as um, the unknown has become the new norm. Mm, and we're kind yeah. of getting yeah. used to actually we don't know what's going to happen. But mm. our experiences. But I did wake up this morning 
there is food on my table. The roof is over my head. I am surviving. But it's, I do wonder how long we can keep under this kind of pressure and it, you know, before the pot sort of bursts a little bit, you know, and we're starting to see the seams uh, fraying. I think that's obviously something that's going to be different for different individuals. And what, again, to go back to my, my bag analogy, you know, what we're already carrying. And I, I did notice when we were facing the prospect of the second lockdown, um, people's mood really dropped. Like I, at the beginning of the first one, I was noticing more anxiety, like frantic kind of, what, what are we going to do? Is it going to be, you know, and then this second one was just like, people are getting weary. Um, and I think that idea, you know, yes, you've got food on the table, you've got a roof over your head, you know, maybe you've been lucky you haven't lost your job or, you know, whatever. It, it, it can definitely sometimes give us some perspective and help us to focus more on what we do have in our lives that's good if we think about things in that way. But sometimes it also what it does is it, it takes us away, that kind of comparison to other people takes us away from our own struggles and our own yeah. pain, our own distress, which is, you know, okay, maybe it's not in the grand scheme of things, it's not that bad or it's not as bad as lots of other people, but that doesn't mean it doesn't still deserve some space and attention and kindness. No, I mean, there's that um, thing that does around on the internet and it's... Um, we might all be in the same storm, but we're all on different boats. Yeah, and I think exactly. that's as true as it gets because some people are on some very luxurious yachts and some people are clinging on to their life raft because the boat sunk. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're just clinging on to a buoy or, you know, or a dinghy or something. And so how are you trying to help people at this moment in time? Because it it's changed. The, the dynamic of how you can do it has changed. Well, it's funny because if you'd have asked me again, if we'd have done this in January and you'd have said to me, um, what do you think about doing some work online? <laughs> I'd probably been like, I really don't want to do that. I don't think it would work very well. Um, were you really um, were you really committed to that defensive line as well? Well, until I mean, before yeah, lock, yeah. before until this happened. Yeah. And then um, I you know obviously very quickly became came to realize that I wasn't going to be able to work um at all and at that point initially for me as well like many people um you know how am I going to earn a living yeah you know I'm self-employed um you know and I I mean I was fairly sure I wouldn't end up homeless but you know I I pay rent on my offices I have a mortgage I have you know yeah um have animals i have you know that kind of stuff what animals so, sorry to cut you off what animals you got if i'd have known the first question would have been what what you know what animals you got i've got uh two dogs and a horse all right what dogs have you got um there's springer collie crosses oh nice nice Most rescue dogs yeah. oh fantastic so yeah. when i know that again sorry to cut you off and anybody listening who is actually interested in that the, if i know you have pets it's the first question i'll ask you right, right. so any, yeah, anyway no, no, no. you I were talking so. about so very yeah. grateful for my animals this year because they've been like a good source of something to do and to get out and be yeah um so that's been good yeah um, I, yeah. I sorry I was lucky yourself I uh, I rescued a dog in the summer but their their owner sadly passed away and I'd already been looking after it so oh. I kind of inherited that and it, it, it's been life changing because yeah you yeah. just get on so well yeah, yeah. so sorry yeah anyway saving your mortgage the offices yeah. that you were renting out and keeping your business yeah. afloat. <laughs> 
yeah all of that you know stuff and i i mean i to be to be completely honest i've been you know relatively lucky with in terms of the government help i've fitted into the right categories so it, you know and i know a lot of people haven't and have struggled and my partners kept working and so so in actual fact once that initial panic you know um and again you know there was that sense as as for everybody of like how long is this going to go on for yeah. you know it's one thing to say well you're not going to work for a month or even two maybe but if you start to think i mean if we'd have known at the beginning how long it was going to be i think there would have been even more stress and anxiety probably um yeah but i i think i you know i began to think well what can i do um and um, there's been a few things that I've started doing which actually have turned out to be brilliant, like really, really useful things and I'm continuing to do and probably will continue to do. Um, and I have have started doing, I do one-to-one sessions on Zoom now. Um, I'd very, very occasionally done like a phone session or something with somebody before, but it was never my preferred way of working. Yeah. Um, but the... Um, the advantage is, I mean, the main advantage to it, obviously, is geography. Um, so I've actually had, I, I originally set up my practice in London before I moved out to Wiltshire. And um, I um, I have, obviously, over the years, I've had clients, I moved out of London, but I've had all sorts of clients, they've moved away or what have you. So I've, I've been able to do a few sessions with people who, you know, wouldn't normally be able to come and see me. And that's amazing that, they're, you know, I mean, one person in particular who was probably one of my first clients maybe 14 years ago in London. Yeah. And had something happen recently that's been quite difficult and got back in touch with me. And we've done some online sessions and that's been brilliant. And whilst I can't do, you know, there's a, still a chunk of stuff that I can't do online. Um, I've been quite um, really, really pleased with what I have been able to do. And just that sense of, you, you know, we all sometimes just need somebody to listen to us and to kind of really hear what we're saying and, you know, give us that time and help us to see things in a different way. Because we all, when we're in our own heads, we can't get any perspective on our own experience. And that's as true for me as it is for everybody else. Um, and the other thing that I've started doing is um, some classes online. So I've been doing meditation classes and um, what I call a, a self-Reiki share. So for my students who've um, already done a Reiki class and, and have learned to be able to use it on themselves, they basically show up once a week, um, they sit and they, they really make that time to do some Reiki on themselves. And then I talk a little bit about something to do with Reiki and then we maybe have a bit of a discussion. And again, I've had people come to that that um, probably wouldn't have been able to come to a class if I'd been running it in person because that was well, certainly obviously because of the pandemic or yeah. you know I've got a lot of people who even after lockdown lifted um you know are still being cautious because of their health or you know whatever um and people who are just too far away I, I regularly have one of my Reiki students from Germany and a colleague from France come along to the Reiki sessions oh nice you know so it's it's a way to actually keep in touch and keep supporting people and particularly with you know reiki as being you know really at its heart a self-care practice with self-care we all need support and help and encouragement to keep at it you know um so many people will say why is it when i most need to look after myself 
all the things that I do to look after myself slide. You know, we start eating rubbish, we stop exercising, we, you know, we drink less water, all that kind of stuff. Um, So in terms of actually, you know, you can go along to a Reiki class, you can learn Reiki, but unless you've got a certain key thing in place, which is, you know, understanding why you do it, so having your value for it, um, having the clear instruction about what you're supposed to do, um, and this is true of most things, I think, and some kind of continued support to keep doing it, it's hard to keep doing these things. So it's been brilliant to have this, you know, new, new, well, new to me, not like Zoom's only just invented, but... Um, <laughs> but Feels like it, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, never heard of it before. No, I had actually. <laughs> um, yeah, this new way of, of, of reaching people that does, you know, does really offer something. Um, and, yeah. No, it's good, though, isn't it? Because like you say it, it crosses literally crosses oceans and people can keep maintaining connection um which is just fantastic for mental health full stop um you realize you're not isolated you're, you're not on your own it's it's not the same as kind of that one-to-one contact yeah. but it is actually it is good and mm-hmm. you know when when you all and it's that focus to maintain a routine it's, it's yeah. much easier to do that when you're you feel that you belong to a group yeah. or an organization where in, in in the right way there's a level of expectation that you're going to attend because you said you will so yeah. then you kind of that will then for some of us give us that permission that we have to do it and yeah. when we're not feeling in the mood for self-care which is the time it becomes most dangerous because we're not feeling like it so we tend to let it slip it's a great way of oh no i I have to do this. If I don't do this, I've let Karen down. Not I'm helping myself, which is the right healthy thing to do. But I promised Karen in the group I'd be there next week. So, yeah. and it, and that that is how we work, and it's how we do have to motivate ourselves. You know, often using somebody at something else as the crutch that that lifts us in that direction to maintain us on that track. Um, I think there's also some real value in um, kind of understanding better about what our experience of human being a human is. So. And, and our, our existing culture as well, because we live in a world that encourages us to do more all the time and do more, do more, do more in less and less time and have more and get more money and buy more things and fill up our days with we've got to achieve this and achieve that and all the rest of it. And it's I, I think it's next to impossible to not be affected by that sometimes. Yeah. Um, and to feel like it's OK to to slow down and to. And something like um, Reiki can really, you know, help us with that. And also listening to other people. So um, we we so often still, I think, in our culture, you know, British stiff upper lip, we don't talk about how we feel or our experiences. And, and I've often felt from the very beginning of my career so um, grateful, I guess, for because people come and tell me all the things that they don't tell anybody else, I know that so much of what people think and experience isn't weird it's just normal it does help with the self crazy doesn't it yeah but people come and tell me stuff and they're like oh my god this i'm gonna tell you this most awful thing and you're like everybody thinks that yeah (laughs) or a version of that yeah i've had 17 people in this month you're all the same yeah well it's not i I don't i I meant i meant that to sound more professional than it came out but yeah 
it's yeah it, the fundamentally we're all struggling with the same things and we all have similar you know different versions but similar yeah. say crazy thoughts in our head and there's something incredibly powerful i think sometimes about hearing i mean to a degree hearing somebody you know like ourselves a professional say to yeah. you yeah yeah that's okay just validating your experience but equally sometimes you know i notice this in my my classes you know if someone else in the class says i've been having trouble with this because and and it's almost like this relief goes around normally around the room but around the zoom should i say yeah um whether they're kind of like oh my god like i'm not weird i'm not the only one i'm just a normal human being but that's the thing isn't it because i mean like i said you know we 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 can sometimes um, get kind of, we think we're crazy because we haven't shared what's going on in our head because we think it's crazy. And then, like you said, you talk to someone and you find out, oh, a lot of people have exactly the same thoughts, exactly the same experience. Just no one's talking about it. Yeah. You know, I'm not on my own. I'm not isolated. I'm not actually crazy. I'm thinking, if anything, I'm a sheep. I'm the same as everyone else. I'm part of the crowd. We're all sharing the same crazy. And that's what makes it not crazy. Yeah, that's it. We're either, we're all crazy or we're not. None of us are. Yeah. But we don't yeah. we don't articulate it. And, and we don't let people know that this is what, how we're feeling. And, and why, you know, and then cause once you, um, you start exp um, talking about it, you're able to then expand on why you might be feeling that. What are the causes? What are the triggers? And then you can get to a point of, actually, how can I resolve this? One of the other things that um, I quite fairly frequently do in sessions with people is, you know, people will say things like, I don't know why I'm feeling this way. And I will say to them, if I was to tell you that I had experienced and then I'll list the whole series of things they've just told me that that has happened in their life. And they'll kind of people will stop and go, well, I suppose that is quite a lot. Yeah. Like, you know and we again we're just so hard on ourselves we you know i you know i don't know why i'm feeling this way. well you've had this happen and this happen and this happen like it's amazing feeling that yeah way. it's amazing sometimes when you say to people let's let's do an itinerary here of the year of this fictional person but we're going to pretend it's you because it is and then you read back everything they've gone through and they then look at themselves like Jesus Christ, I'm surprised I haven't been sectioned. <laughs> yeah, you've got a lot going on. You know, you're you know, a remarkably strong character. And it's amazing, you know, yeah. we are much stronger. But we, like you said, we don't give ourselves credit for it. We, mm. we constantly undervalue what's going on in our lives and the impact it might be having on us. One of my first clinical jobs was in an adolescent mental health unit. And, I mean, I was probably only four or five years older at the time than the eldest of the, the young people we had there and I remember sometimes like sitting listening to some of their stories and just thinking how are you still standing yeah like the fact that you are still standing is just you know the most amazing achievement with everything that's happened to you and the way people have treated you it you know it's just horrific sometimes and the, the resilience of human beings and the you know what I was saying before about those people who come to me who just really don't believe anything is gonna 
help them and but there's still a tiny bit of I'm just going to take a chance maybe this is going to be different I don't really believe it is going to be maybe yeah just see you know and that people are willing to take that chance to trust me or other you know people therapists practitioners whoever with that is just mind-blowing sometimes um you know and such a scary thing for people to risk doing it is but it also validates the the practice of reiki yeah because it's it's a strange thing in that it's not tan tangible like picking up a packet of paracetamol you know if I, you know if i've got a headache i could take paracetamol in theory i should be right in an hour you know but with reiki like the gentleman you mentioned yeah it was it was good it was a nice lie down it was comfortable you were nice i enjoyed your company the offices were, you know it was all very pleasant but then he has the best light sleep he can remember in his life and this is a chap who had been sleeping poorly for five decades mm-hmm. you know plus a few years it's just like and then that then is the tangible part mm, yeah yeah and can you imagine what an impact that must have had on him because i actually someone that doesn't sleep well so i envy anybody that does sleep well and the so i can fully understand how he must have felt mm. getting a good night's sleep yeah you know and it's just like I remember a couple of years ago talking to someone at work and I was really, really excited because I'd been woken up by the alarm and I'd slept for 12 hours. Right. And it was straight through really deep. Because it happens about every 18 months, I'd, I'd just suddenly crash. And, but apart from that, it's, it's about five, six hours a night. And, but I was so excited. And this person was like, you, you sound like you just won the lottery. But for me, it, it felt like it. But I'm, I'm, I don't feel generally tired during the day. I'm just aware that I should sleep more. You know, mm, mm. and that's the thing is, when somebody comes in and they experience uh, the uh, your reiki, uh, your reiki, sorry, is the effect becomes tangible the next day, the day after, and they then can connect to something. But it's it's like you say, we have such trust in going to see a GP, who hands us a prescription, who gives us tablets from a pharmacist who we assume knows what they're doing who's just bought it from a huge manufacturer that we assume is following all the licensing rules and that they're buying from a legitimate manufacturer in a factory we've never seen, putting it together in a way we don't, and we don't even know what's in there. And even if you looked it up on Wikipedia, you wouldn't understand what any of those ingredients or chemicals were. Yeah. But we yeah. just, we accept it as faith. It can only one be the, faith. So, one of the key things that Reiki does for us is help us to relax. And I think sometimes that can seem like a small thing, but um, I can't say how many people um, never are really properly relaxed. And often they don't even realise, or sometimes they do, and they're trying to do all the right things, and they're still unable to kind of really switch off and relax. And I remember talking to a, one of my teachers a long time ago and saying, I was talking about a particular client and I was saying that, you know, sometimes I feel like I need to be doing more for this person than just helping them relax. But for some people that is like gold. That's, you know, where if you, if your body is constantly in a, an aroused state yeah. and you never actually get to switch off, nothing in your body is going to be working at an optimum 
I don't think people realise how many people realise they they've not they don't know what relaxed is. They think yeah. they do because it's yeah. it's a norm, but yeah. but it doesn't. And but the, the reason I say this is that I remember being in Sydney a few years ago. No, not Sydney, Melbourne, a few years ago, um, and I was visiting a friend, and they couldn't understand why I wasn't interested in travelling around Australia. I was there for two weeks. I was able to stay with them, <clears throat> but I didn't actually want to do anything. And the reason being was because they lived near a beach and I could just sit and do nothing. Nobody from work was going to try and contact me. I was in the wrong time zone. Nobody wanted me for anything. Mm. And, and I literally set up my week with them to do nothing, which his wife was just like, this doesn't make any sense. And I'm just like, no, because but I'm, I'm starting to relax. Mm. And I remember being in the, um, the gardens in Melbourne <clears throat> And I just I had a rucksack with me, just put it behind my head, put a T-shirt over my face to stop me getting sunburnt. And my mate come and found me and I was fast asleep on the grass, which is a strange place. It's a long way to travel to get a good afternoon nap. Right? Yeah. But I felt so relaxed. And for me, that trip was priceless because I had to relax for two weeks. I couldn't do anything about it. Yeah. yeah. And but trying to but did you not go and see this? Did you No. No, I didn't see anything. I did fly to Sydney for the day, but that but that experience of just being able to sit and be forced to do nothing and know and knew that was coming. Ah, it, it was the best. And I don't think people do realise that they're nowhere near as relaxed as what is possible. I actually wrote an article about this on my my blog on my website about um, about relaxation and how so often what we think of as relaxing is more a sort of zoning out yeah. so i mean television's a really good example of this and this is not to say that television is bad i like watching television it's you know but i think if we um it, it we if you know if you think about it, if you've had a busy day at work you're all kind of like you know in your head busy busy you get home you finally get to sit down you collapse in front of the television and it's almost like it it just zones us out it just takes us into a slightly different mindset if you like mentality you know probably i don't know people who are better experts at brain waves and things it probably yeah. changes that to some degree but but it it's not the same as true relaxation and one of the things i often say to my reiki students is it's not that you shouldn't watch television but maybe do a few minutes of reiki on yourself and then see a if you still feel like watching television because you might not but if you do, what you choose to watch might be different or how you enjoy what you watch might be different because you might actually really engage in it rather than just zoned out. You yeah. know. And I think there's many things we do like that which we think of as relaxing activities, but actually they're just we're just desperate to kind of take ourselves out of the, the busy and we can't we can't switch off our um all those stress hormones are fight or flight response so we just have to sort of somehow distract ourselves i mean drinking you know for people who feel you know maybe they don't drink loads but they can't get through the they have to have a glass of wine every night because that's the only way they can kind of yeah. down, switch off and again it's not that don't drink a glass of wine ever or it's know. knowing the difference isn't it it's yeah. knowing the differences i'm having this glass of wine tonight because i really fancy a glass of wine and i yeah. love and i love a glass of wine yeah. and grabbing that glass of wine because I, I just need to chill out tonight right well that's probably why you don't need that glass of wine yeah 
Yeah, and it, you know, if you if you can find a way to relax first, and then you still decide you want the glass of wine, you're probably going to enjoy it more. Yeah, you, know, you, you might actually taste it, and <laughs> you know, and <laughs> rather than just kind of plugging it because it's you've just, as you say, kind of like just trying to um, switch off or you know, um, yeah. So, what are the techniques? Are you able to say the sort of techniques that you can use for uh, to self reiki? Yeah, I mean, you basically you you need to come along to a class, and this is something which does have to be done in person. Yeah. You do need to be in a physical proximity to your reiki teacher, um, and you basically have something that we call an attunement, um, where the reiki teacher will come to each student in turn and basically tune in their energy to um, connect with this energy this vibration of, of energy that we call reiki that exists in our environment now you can think of it i suppose like if we all have a, a hose in our bodies that when we're um we're born with it kind of kink okay so what the attunement does is unkink it so that then now whether there was a time when we weren't born with it kinked so then we didn't need an attunement quite possibly i don't know the answer to that i'm not old enough but um <laughs> you know but, but nowadays that's you know it's probably part of how i would imagine i'd imagine that when i look at things in nature they tend to be born as they're meant to be mm-hmm. and what happens is if you look at anything you take out of its natural environment that's when kinks start to appear and yeah. we don't live in our natural environment and, ha- and don't from day one anymore so i'd imagine we start off fine but then we, you know, yeah, we do yeah. human stuff. That's a, that's a really good way of describing it. Actually, I might borrow that. Um, <laughs> it says you can copyright it. You can have that. Yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, absolutely. So we have an attunement, and then it's as simple as you cup your hands like this, and you put them either on your body or just near your body, um, and the reiki flows. And the the action of cupping your hands kind of effectively helps to switch the reiki on. Yeah. So. Um, and one of the really, really useful things about Reiki, so I could sit here, I'll just put my hands up here so you can see them. I could sit here doing Reiki on myself and continue talking to you. Um, and the Reiki will be working, helping to relax me and to help um, repair some of that, the effect of that, um, what I was talking about, the sort of energies that just have an impact on us. So you could think of it as a kind of daily wear and tear. So um it's in some ways that makes Reiki more accessible than something like meditation or yoga. I mean, it, yeah. does, it does slightly different things to meditation and yoga. I mean, th- those are also really useful self-care practices. But one of the um, slightly less useful things about them is you kind of need to just do that, which what? is is good, but it can make it harder to fit it in your day. Whereas what? Reiki, you can just, you know, yeah. while you're doing One thing I found interesting watching that, is the cupping of your hands up here, which I can't do very well for because mm-hmm. um, I've got headphones on <clears throat> and people can't see it in the audio format as well. Um, but if you're watching this on YouTube, you'll see. But that's also the natural position to put your hands when something goes wrong. Mm-hmm. We instinctively do that. And going back to that when we're born and we're not kinked, mm-hmm. you know, if we're in natural flow, and something went wrong and our instinct is to go like that that would naturally put us back in alignment in attunement maybe yeah <clears throat> do you know I what i mean yeah if you're maybe. if you're not if you've never been kind of blocked because you've lived a natural life and then something happens and you you just instinctively we 
design, we do do that when things go wrong. I mean, I, put... I, it actually, with Reiki, it doesn't matter where on your body. Okay. Hands. Um, I, I still like my analogy now, though. Yeah, yeah. I can't <laughs> see, but I could you know, yeah. equally have them somewhere else. Um, but I think you could you could think of it as you know it's very instinctive for us if we hurt a part of our body to, to yeah. put a hand there to rub it. So yes, quite possibly you know back before we messed ourselves up so much as a species, it may be that we could have just you know naturally. And it's not to say I mean there are definitely people who have natural healing abilities. Yes. But there are there are a number of different types of energy you can use for healing. Um, I mean, chi is probably the best well-known because Tai yeah. um, Chi, um, acupuncture, martial arts, they all work with chi energy, which works slightly differently to Reiki and does something slightly different. But that's probably the most well-known of, of other types of energy. Um, it, you know, there are, there are definitely people who, um, from a very young age, have some kind of natural healing ability. Um, but again, not everybody would agree with me on this, but um, I, I think personally, in order to use the particular vibration of energy that we call Reiki, you do need an attunement now, as, as we're discussing, maybe you didn't always, quite, quite probably you didn't always, but, but because of the way we've... But again, I, I, that, that makes sense to me, because, and again, I, I always try to look at nature, because it, mm -hmm. for me, it's, it, it, it's it, the, the best encyclopedia. When animals are born in captivity, we have to teach them how to survive in the wild. Mm. All right. So if, as we're not born in captivity anymore, it makes perfect sense to me that we need to be taught our, what should be natural to us again. Yeah. Because yeah. we don't use it. I mean, <clears throat> and people will accept if you, if you don't use it, you lose it. Any other muscle, language skills, any skill in the world, we accept as people. If you don't practice it sufficiently, you, you will lose it. Yeah. So if we're born with something that we never use, well then we're surely by the definition of everything else that's okay in this world, we must we must lose it. Yeah. And it should then take somebody to help you tune back into it, to teach yeah. you how to use it again. You know. Yes. Just just yeah. like every other animal out there. Yeah. You know. And these, you know, when 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 you talk to interestingly the best descriptions I've had of this um, or listened to when uh, especially listen to podcasts is when you listen to bow hunters and they talk about how tuned in animals are because their whole world is surrounded by predators. Mm -hmm. And I've heard lots of psychologists talk about the fact that an animal lives so in the moment that literally 10 yards after it's outrun whatever was trying to kill it, it's perfectly all right again. Yeah. They're just <clears throat> so in tune. They carry nothing with them. And mm -hmm. I mean, but also just that constant grounding to the earth, that constant living in that space of nature, the things that we get advised by medical professionals to do if we're feeling low, all of those things that we do, they, they all do and we don't expect them to do anything else. But we pulled ourselves out of that environment. So it makes, to me, it it's perfect, makes perfect sense that you would have to go and see somebody to be tuned back into it. Well, also I think in the way we live now, we almost have a false sense of our own survival, don't we? I mean, most, oh. most people um, don't, you know, we don't, we, we're not worrying about, I mean, we might have times in our lives where money is tight, but 
probably for the majority of people listening to this podcast, uh, you know, we have we ever really been starving? Have we had to spend every day of our lives thinking, how do I keep myself safe? How do I get food? How do I find shelter tonight? Like, we're just so far removed from that. Yeah. You know, even, even, I mean, obviously there's degrees of that and there are humans in the world who, who are living like that. But like you said, they're most, not like, they're most likely not going to be in a position to listen to this podcast. They're too busy trying to, to actually survive the day. To be relaxed enough to, to listen to a podcast yeah. and in a way that that living for our survival i suppose has to give us some kind of sense of reality that we just don't most most of us don't have anymore i've always been fascinated by <clears throat> and this is to do with energy you know because i at my core I, you know I'm, um, I'm i'm deeply spiritual um um is i i would you know, like the time machine analogy sort of thing. If you could go back, I would love to know what they're tuned into, mm. what awareness they have. You know, were they affected by the tides, the moons, the, the, the star cycles, the, the cycles of the sun? Were they affected by the seasons? Could they literally feel things that we are just oblivious to now? Mm. You know, their, their sense of smell, their sense of hearing, all of those things, because again, the more attuned you are to anything, it doesn't matter what it is, the more you become aware of the nuances. Yeah. You know, everything seems flat until you're the expert and then you see every little bump in the trail. And yet, but somebody with no knowledge just, oh, it's perfectly smooth. No, no, it's far from it. One of um, my teachers, um, I remember him once saying that somehow we ended up talking about telepathy and how... Yeah. Hard skill to to learn to develop, and how the advent of things like mobile phones, like why would you bother to try to learn to develop any kind of telepathic skill if you can just ring someone and go, where are you? What are you doing? Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's there's much of our technology that, whilst in some ways it's helpful, in other ways it's been unhelpful to us. Yeah. Um, just one example but um but but it's a it's it's a good one we don't even maybe once upon a time i might have wondered what you were doing and if i knew you well enough and the connection was strong enough and i wondered what you were doing that may may have taken me to a place that i could have tuned into something Mm -hmm. well now if i'm wondering what you're doing i get you know well when i wondered if you wanted to do a podcast Lindsay sent an introduction email Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know what i mean <clears throat> there was no thinking about it. You didn't have to wonder. <laughs> no, I, I just, I, you know, I, I, as, as quick as it took to, to drop an email, mm. you know, as, as quick as, you know, and as quick as everything dropped out my end with the electricity, I was still connected to 4G on my mobile phone and could send you an email of what I was doing. Yeah. <laughs> connection never, we never lost a connection, but it, no. is it the wrong connection? So I'm conscious of time, and I, but I'm, I'm so fascinated and I, I really could just keep listening to you. Um, just first, I will put the links up for anybody that wants to, to seek out more from you. But just as a kind of closing statement, what, what would you, magic wand scenario, what would, where would you start with people? I think um, 
I mean, I, I do think that learning Reiki, I mean, I, the, the one-to-one sessions I do generally, I mean, I do sometimes just do a Reiki session with somebody, but the one-to-one sessions I do more commonly, I do a mixture of a whole range of things, other energy work, the counselling, the whole package. But if there was one thing that someone could do to make their lives better, I think it would be get a Reiki attunement. Get yourself attuned to Reiki so that you can use it on yourself. Like, I I think that would be my number one. Now, going and having a Reiki session with somebody first to see what it's like. uh, Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, but but I, I do think whilst even if you've done a Reiki attunement, there is still some benefit in every so often having a session with somebody else. Um, I think there's the greater benefit will always be being able to do it on yourself. Um, so I think that would be my my number one um, suggestion. Perfect. And we'll cut it there. Thank you. Thank you.